Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being encouraged, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be encouraged in Christ. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. I'm actually kind of nervous to sit here and speak. It's been so long since I've sat down and done a podcast. Well, I feel like it's been so long anyway that I just really been excited to get back and just kind of share with you guys all that God has been teaching me. I think that there are times in our life where God would just put us in a place of seclusion. I'm very sociable. I can talk to anybody, but sometimes God will draw me into myself to where I'm just focusing on the conversations that he and I are having or just focusing on the things that he's teaching me and showing me. And sometimes those things aren't to be shared with everybody at the time that you're going through them. And I thank God for moments like that because it's in those moments that I really get to see what it's like to see him grow me and to change me. It kind of gives me those intimate moments with him where I'm just able to focus on him growing me. And I think that's just kind of what's been happening lately in my life. So that's why I haven't really been doing a podcast or doing a daily devotional. It's just because it was certain things that God was showing me that were just for me, you know, and and I guess at one point when he's ready for me to share those things, I will, but that's just where I am right now. But anyway, said all that to say, I am excited to get back and be able to come into my closet and just hit record and kind of just share with you guys some things that God has been like again, showing me today, based on the title, we're going to be in Romans chapter eight. And one thing I realized is that I love talking to people. I love doing these podcasts. And my prayer this morning is that my words always conform to God's word. I want to be so close to scripture and what God has to say in his word, that my words are his words, that my words come from the guidance that he gives us in, in the Bible. It's sometimes when you're reading a passage or all the time when you're reading a passage, you always have your own interpretation. You always have your own way of understanding something just because of your background, your culture or whatever the reason may be. You know, there's different ways that we all approach the Bible and see things. But I pray that anytime I share with someone, I'm not just sharing my opinion. I'm actually sharing what God has to say in scripture. And I thank God for that wisdom. You know, I thank him for showing me that we all have our own way of seeing things. So that's why it's so important for us to read the Bible for ourselves. It's great to listen to anybody. You know, if you go to church and you listen to your preacher or you listening to it on YouTube or a podcast, if you're listening to me, it's great to hear the interpretation of other people. But it's more important for you to get in the Bible and read scripture for yourself and see what it is that God shows you. But I said all that to say that we're going to be in Romans 8 and we're just going to go through and I'm going to share with you what I feel like God has revealed to me from his word and ask that you go back and read it for yourself. But before we do that, we're going to go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for giving me the gift of life. I pray that you would always use me for whatever it is that you are asking to be done in your will, Father God, or what you are revealing to me will be done in your will. I just pray that you would help me to be obedient and only share what it is that you would have me to say, Father God. Remove my sinful nature from out the equation. 
Lord, I just pray that you would give us clarity from your word. And I pray for the listener. I pray that they would have ears to hear and a heart to receive and hands quick to go and do your word, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through the scripture and wherever God leads me to stop and share, I will. So again, we're in Romans chapter 8 and I'm reading from the NIV version, which in my understanding from what I've learned so far, and I'm just at the beginning stages of learning this, that the NIV is probably one of the better versions to use as far as a translation, but that's that's a different story. There's also going to be places in scripture where I am not um, 100% sure of what a certain word or what a certain phrase mean. Whenever God is ready for me to be, I will be. But if there is something that I'm not fully aware of as far as what the interpretation mean, I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, so if I say, okay, well, that's a different story. Either I need to learn more about that or I feel like it's just not what this conversation is about. Verse one, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So before I move on, I kind of want to go back real quick and point something out to you. In verse one, where it says, therefore, there's a guy and it may seem kind of corny to you, but I thought it was a good um, way to remember this, but there's a guy named Jared Dodd and I listened to him. He kind of um, teaches about discipleship and obedience and, and different things of that nature. But he said in one of his teachings, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? What does this mean? What was said before the word therefore? So I always go back and read whatever was before that, or try to get an understanding of what the context was, where it has therefore. So verses 21 through 25 of Romans chapter seven says this. So if I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And I just wrote in here, deliver me from sin, God. Now, for you to get the full context of what we read, you could have to go back and read that for yourself. You need to go back in scripture and kind of get some details about the difference between our flesh, our sinful nature, and being led by the Spirit. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So one thing I want to interject and put right here, a lot of this understanding comes from 
studying the Old Testament and understanding the law and what the purpose of a sin offering was for, what the purpose of a guilt offering was for. There's a lot of details that we can go into about why Jesus had to be a sacrifice, but I think that that's just going to require all of us to really take the initiative to study God's word and understand why the Old Testament was the way it was and why certain sacrifices and offerings were needed. But again, that's something that we're just not going to dwell on on this podcast for today. Verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit's life is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So anytime that we're reading scripture and we think about the word flesh, it's not so much talking about our physical bodies, but more so the idea that our flesh is our sinful nature. The things that we do that pleases us rather than please God. The things that we do for self-gratification that do not honor God. And my prayer is that I ask God to please help me to live according to the spirit and not according to my flesh. Let, Let the spirit dictate to me the choices that I make and not what pleases me. Verse nine of Romans eight, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So two things. The first one is righteousness. Righteousness is just choosing to do right, choosing to do the things that are in God and God's guidelines, being obedient to God. And we are made righteous through the work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The second thing is the same power that raised Christ from the dead is within us. So we are able to do things according to God's will. He empowers us and equips us to live out the things that he's calling us to do. Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. 
So again, this is one of those moments where there's so much that we can pull out of here. First of all, when it talks about for those who are led by the spirit of God or the children of God, when what does it mean to be led by the spirit? And for me, it means to really just sit back and take time and ask the question, what is it that God is telling me to do? What is it that scripture tells me to do? What is it that the Holy Spirit is directing my my answer to or my path to? And the more we grow in God's word, the more we understand him and and what his word teaches us, the more we're able to realize what it is that the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. But if we don't have that understanding, if we're not asking for that understanding, it's going to be difficult to pick out the voice of the Holy Spirit versus our voice and the voice of Satan. So that's why, again, I'm going to say it's so important for each of us to spend time in the word of God. Verse 15, it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. So when we, even right now in our culture, adoption means that the child that is being adopted gives up the rights to their birth family, their biological family. The family gives up their rights to them to that child the that child then becomes an heir with the his his or her siblings in whatever the um, parents own whatever the father and the mother own and that child also gets the responsibility of being the child to that parent well the same thing works in our relationship with god we are co-heirs with jesus he is our sibling he's our brother and we are also heirs to all that God has. So because we are children of a master, because we are children of a king, we receive everything that Jesus has, everything that's given to God, everything that's given to Jesus from God, we receive also. And we also have to participate in the sufferings also that Jesus went through. We not exempt. So we're supposed to be expecting adversity, opposition, hardships, because we're participating in the suffering that Jesus Christ did. Verse 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So again, one of the things that you have to be able to understand between verse 18 and 20 is that when man was cursed for sinning, for, when Adam and Eve were cursed in the garden for their choices to disobey God and to go after the um, fruit, um, so was the earth. The, the entire earth was subjected to decay as a part of that curse. So that's kind of some background context that, that needs to be understood in order to understand those few verses. But again, go study the Bible for yourself. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Women, we understand the pains of childbirth. We understand what the earth is going through constantly because most of us have endured childbirth. And if you haven't endured it yet, or if you have, or you don't think that you will ever endure it, you have seen someone undergo childbirth. 
you have heard about the pains of childbirth. So you understand the significance of it, whether you went through it or not. Um, the same go for men. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, to the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. I mean, to me, that just pops off the page as common sense. You know, I, I don't go around saying, I hope, I wish I had a car because I have a car. Little things like that just kind of remind me that hope is faith. Hope is having faith, being able to trust God, even when we don't see something physically in front of us. Like I've never physically seen Jesus directly in front of me, but I hope. And I have faith that he is real because I have seen the evidence in my life that he is real. Verse 26, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. My prayer is that the spirit would help me and the spirit would guide me because there are so many things that we don't know. There are so many things that we can't control, but the spirit knows those things. God knows those things. So why not have two people who know or why not have this um, this combination of people who know that also want the best for me? Guide me in doing what I'm supposed to do. Like that's just like right now. We all have people. If you don't, you need to have people in your life who you can go to for guidance that will direct you because they have foreseen things. They have done and gone through things that we are not yet there or haven't experienced yet, but we can get guidance from them in doing so. Well, if the Holy Spirit already know where we're going, where we're going, what needs to be prayed for, what needs need to be met, then why not ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to intercede for you and find out the information and then come back and relay that information to you. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those who foreknew he also predestined and to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. For those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so Romans 8 is full of a lot of the common verses that a lot of people repeat all the time. And as we continue to go through it, you'll be able to tell. But the first one was probably Romans 8, 1, where it says, there is, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then also again, where it just said, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. A lot of times we hear people say, God work all things out for the good of those who love him. That's a common verse that we read in scripture, but I want to make sure that we always just read the whole thing in context. Don't just take out one scripture and focus on it. You need to read the whole entire thing and have a complete understanding of it. When it talked about for those called, he also predestined. Where it talks about predestined or election, there's this debate between if God predestined people and chose them from the beginning 
or if he already knew in advance what people would choose to accept him that you know i'm not going to get into that debate that go read the scripture for yourself but what i do want to point out here is that either way either way it goes that mean that God was thinking about us way from the beginning. Those who choose to believe in him or those who believe in him, he's been thinking about us from the beginning. He knows us and he knows all about us and what we need and what we want and all of those things that he's been thinking about it from way before we were even physically alive, physically here. And then it also mentioned the term about Jesus being the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're, we're his brothers and sisters. We're co-heirs to whatever God gave to Jesus, okay? And then it also talked about being justified and glorified. So I got into reading Romans 8 today because I'm actually journeying through the Bible, reading about justification. And But there's more than just justification. Justification is being made right with God when you are declared right with God. And then you have the process of sanctification where you're being more made more and more like Christ. And then you have glorification where you're actually in the presence of God and you're and you're like Christ. So I just kind of been growing and learning those different things. But right now I'm focusing on justification. Well, anyway, I just wanted to point that out when it talks about being justified or being made right with God and then being glorified when you're in the presence of God. Verse 31, and you're going to find one of those other common verses in this reading. But it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give all things? So that that's one of those promises that if God was willing to sacrifice his son, Jesus Christ on the cross in order to save us and to make us in right relationship with him and to give us power over sin. Why do we not think that he would give us all that we need, that we could trust him with every area of our life to meet the needs that we have? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Okay, back in verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's a that's a common verse that a lot of people use. And I, I think that it's a powerful truth to live. You know, it, it reminds us that we are free from fear again. You know, we don't have to be afraid because God is on our side. Again, and then here where it has, where is it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? We go through sufferings, but that does not remove God's love from us. And I think that 
We need to be reminded that just because we are Christians, just because we believe in God, that does not mean that we're not going to face difficulty. But God can use those difficulties for good because evil is always going to be present in the world. We're living in a world of decay. That's just what it is. So we're going to always have to face difficulty. We're going to always have to look at certain things that, and he grows us as a result of that. You know, that's the using it for good. There's two sides to that there. We again are heirs. We also have responsibilities in our Christian walk. Verse 37 Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm more than a conqueror. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here at the end, I just wrote, thank you, God. You know, how help me to remember these things. Help me to live out these truths. I pray that y'all got something from this passage and that it helps you. I pray that it encourages you. And again, thank you for listening. I'm so happy I was able to really get back and, and talk to y'all. Go read the scripture for yourself. Pray and ask God to give you understanding and really just study and meditate on what it is that God is teaching you because it may be different from what God is teaching me. I know that there are some universal principles that's going to be for all of us to understand and live out, but then there are going to be things that God shows to us individually. So again, I'm going to always encourage you to go and read the scripture for yourself. Okay, let's pray. Father God, I pray that you just be glorified. I pray that you will receive glory and honor and praise from whatever it is that I do. I pray that people will see you and not me, Father God. And I pray that your people will get an understanding of your word that you would have them to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.